0: Caroline woke to a symphony of strange words. She was still wrapped in the buffalo hide and could not move her arms or legs. She did not open her eyes nor move her head. She only listened. Without seeing them, she had no way to discern any meaning. But she did recognize two of the voices from the rough bath in the stream and a third woman's voice, which was new. The new voice seemed to be in charge, and when this woman left... The other two mocked her and then kicked Caroline in the ribs. After the kick, they knew she was awake and pulled her hair to make sure, and Caroline opened her eyes but did not cry. She could see she was inside a high-ceilinged structure with a wooden frame and covered in animal hides. In the middle was a fire, and around the perimeter were piles of hides on which the women worked continuously sewing and chattering and occasionally making reference to Caroline with a finger or nod. They did not like her being among the people and were sure she would bring only bad luck, that she was a sign of bad path, and they should have drowned her in the stream and would have if they had been allowed. They continued sewing through the afternoon, and when they were done, So was the buckskin Caroline would wear when she was to be presented to her new owner that evening. The women unrolled Caroline and handed her roughly as they dressed her and tied ornaments in her hair and hung them from the leather loops run through her ears. A crowd had assembled, and when the women brought Caroline out of the teepee, she was judged and mistaken as good or evil as a sign of fortune to come or misfortune to avoid. The two women held her by her elbows and had bound her feet so she could take only small steps. They threatened the pressing crowd with the name of her new owner and made progress through the parting bodies. Caroline the captive was alive and not injured badly. She was safe from all threats except for the one that presently controlled her. She was scared, but able to overcome her fear. She was alive. The crowd thinned and then disappeared as they got closer to a series of tents where he and his wives slept and enjoyed their meals and private times. The women held Caroline more gently, and their scowls lost their sharp edges. They stopped 20 paces short of his tent and announced their arrival. A woman who Caroline, had not seen before, emerged from the largest tent and spoke a single word to the women. That one strange-sounding word sent them on their way and confirmed that this was the woman who had visited while Caroline had pretended to sleep. She was taller than the others and had kind eyes. When she reached out for Caroline's hand, Caroline could feel that, in addition to those qualities, she was also strong not swollen with muscle, but capable of resolve. She led Caroline into the tent. There was a fire in the middle, and where the other teepee had been lined with piles of work to be done, this one had low saddles as seats and blankets for comfort. Three of the seats were occupied by the chief's wives, while he sat in the one furthest from the entrance. Caroline sought to read their faces to interpret their intent. But their stoicism offered little. Only the chief allowed her something. When he opened his hand and directed her to the blanket in front of him, he did so as an offering and not a command. And when he spoke to his wives to bring her food, he did so without violence or threat. They placed a wooden platter in front of her and backed away. It was clear that only the chief and the wife who had escorted her were comfortable with Caroline's presence. The same woman sat next to her and pointed at the food on the plate, offering instruction in the names of the raw deer heart and liver on one side of the platter, and then the stale bread and soaked grains on the other. Caroline saw in the offering what they saw in her, and she chose the heart and then the liver and tore at them with her teeth. When it was gone, she looked to the woman to see if she had understood the test correctly, and it was confirmed she had. The woman smiled, and the chief nodded, and the other wives were relieved and went for the wooden stick which would seal her bondage. On the stick were carved pictographs which Caroline could not understand, but they shoved it toward her, unreasonably bidding her to read the symbols on it, she had been given significant time in their eyes. One of the wives gave the chief a small knife with which he carved a line in his forearm. He then reached out for Caroline's arm and without hesitation drew the same line in hers. He held their arms together, and the taller wife held the stick below them so their blood dripped onto the pictographs, sealing their agreement. When the second sickness had finished the cities and finally reached the reservations and rural populations of indigenous Americans, the tribes fared much better than the general population. They seemed to be immune, and they had taken this as a sign that the land was being given back to them, and that they should return to the old ways in all respects. They swore off the few leftovers of modernity and traveled back in time to the ancient ways as an offering of thanks and a warning among them that a third sickness might lay in wait if they acted impudently to the earth again. For two months, Caroline was not allowed to leave her owner's home without being leashed to one of the wives. A rawhide strap was tied to her ankle and then to a lead, so that if she ran, all the wife would have to do is hold steady, and she would fall on her face. Caroline knew this and did not run, and the calculated submission annoyed the middle-aged wife, and she would yank on the leash for her own amusement. Caroline ignored the petty jerking of the leash and focused on learning her surroundings. Every time she was outside of the tent was an opportunity to learn the details on which her future escape depended the village was an organized mass of tepees. Her master's was the largest and was at the center of the cluster, with avenues of hundreds starting from its four corners and running to the last of the smaller tepees. He kept the larger tent for himself and five adjoining tents, one for each of his wives. The other lesser elders had tents closest to him, and each of theirs had three rooms, and the ones beyond that had only two rooms. On the outer rim, at the end of the avenues, were single teepees which housed the most common among the tribe. When Caroline was walked on her leash, she grew to expect a ruckus reception among the hundreds of single tents. Their inhabitants would stick their tongues out and yell their strange words at her. If she was in the middle-aged wife, the wife would yank on the leash. Engendering laughter among the crowd. Each day when they returned to the tent, everything was the same. One of the wives who did not walk her would bring food to the chief and spend time with him, and then take the remaining food to the other wives, and later give what was left to Caroline. Caroline would watch their every interaction, and then, when the evening came to an end, go to sleep with her dream of the colt pressed into her temple. She wouldn't pull the trigger. And that made her feel strong one day when she returned from the walk the chief talked to her at length he held the stick with their blood on it and said words she could not understand and then he folded up the leash and pointed to the stick himself and caroline from that day she walked with no leash attached to her ankle but with one of the wives at first a few feet behind her and then soon after out of sight but likely present Caroline walked to the outer edge of the village among the single teepees, invited challenges from the people there, and never backed down. One day, she went farther from the outer edge than her walkers had ever let her go, and she saw another village. When she returned to her master's tent that evening, Caroline did her chores of tidying the inside of the teepee and shaking the blankets outside. She helped with dinner, which was being made by the tall and slender wife, and she made eye contact with the chief once and then twice after he had eaten his dinner he invited the slender wife and caroline to sit before him he pointed at caroline in general and then more specifically at her head he pointed at her head again and raised his hands in the air and formed a quizzical expression on his face caroline used her hands she pointed in the direction of other village and then walked her fingers as if they were legs. She ended by making the same expression the chief had made and raising her hands. The chief nodded and thought how to answer and then simply raised his arm to flex his bicep muscle and then push it with his finger, point in the direction of the other village, and then prod his flex bicep again. The chief pointed at Caroline, then in the direction and shook his head. Making a face as if he had swallowed something distasteful. Caroline nodded submissively. The next day she found her way to the edge of the village, taking a serpentine route which would mean that she had been seen recently in every quarter but not easily found in by any one of them. She slipped through the outer edge of teepees and followed the perimeter of the cluster of tents until she was near the point which was closest to the bushes of the creek. Caroline sat there and pretended that was as far as she intended to go. When it was apparent that she had not been followed, she slid down the incline to the bushes and dove into them head first. Not looking back, Caroline followed the shoulder of the creek and in 20 minutes was further from her new home than she had been allowed. She squatted in the bushes and through their prickly limbs watched the brown water of the creek undulate below her. She looked up through the branches above her and could see the red canyon walls climbing in steps to the plains above, and above the walls a hawk floating. The sun warmed the red rocks of the canyon, and when they had their fill, they let the heat into the air, and it rose in columns that pushed the hawk higher. Caroline the captive felt free. A large scorpion crawled by her bare foot, and she did not move. She was reminded that a leash was still on her, in terms of her lack of provisions. If she were to escape and make it across the sea of grass, then she would need basic things, shoes, food, water, and the horses that allowed her captors to ride for days. All of that would take time. Quietly, she broke a branch from the bush in which she hid, and, finding the scorpion as it inspected the web of a spider, she ran the branch through its armored back The scorpion's venomous tail struck the branch repeatedly and then twitched in vain.